Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast with the funkiest theme music, my lord. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. I'm sorry, Scott Ackerman. I respect you, but this podcast has the funkier theme music. I'm sorry, Mark Marin. You have a great podcast. I love and respect you, but the theme music is not as funky as this. The Bearded Ones. It ain't funky. Welcome, everyone. I hope you are well today. And if you are not, I hope we put a smile on your face. Follow the podcast on Twitter at ThereItIsPod and like us on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. Part of the reason that I do this podcast is so that I can learn and grow as a comedian. And at Jason Farr Jokes is where I'm trying to learn the craft of joke writing by writing some tweets, putting them out. I try to do one a day. Also, be sure to check out the website to read blogs and find out how you can support the podcast. I said podcast. Freudian slip. Podcast. Your support would be much appreciated. It helps me keep this podcast going. I hope you have there-itis. Go to thereitispod.com. Today I talked to Atlanta comic Jared Harris. He's a stand-up who has been on Fox, Nerdist, Lopez Tonight, and Comedy Central. He's a very funny dude who is always candid and straightforward about comedy and reality. We chat about how he approaches character work, the comedy business, and living life for the right reasons. It's a good one, so check it out right after this. Do you toss and turn at night because you want more of the There It Is podcast? Are you growing despondent between episodes? Do you often wonder where it is? I'm Jason Farr, and you may have Theritis. There is no cure for Theritis, but you can join a support group. The Theritis Foundation. Support the There It Is podcast to keep your Theritis at bay, as in B-A-E. Go to thereitispod.com and click the support button. You can support one time only or become a monthly supporter. Supporting the Thereitis Foundation allows for us to keep getting the word out about Thereitis through the blog on thereitispod.com and the podcast. You don't catch Thereitis. Thereitis catches you. But it's okay. And I should know. I, too, have Thereitis. So, Jared, you're still in the Atlanta area, right? Um, yeah, I sure am. I'm here in Marietta, beautiful yeah. Marietta, Georgia, located just 20 minutes north of Atlanta. So, Jared, before we get into talking about your comedy, uh, I wanted to talk about something. You started a business recently, correct? Oh, it's yeah, it. I started a, I started a, I started another business. So, yeah, I'd be a uh, I'll I be running a business. <laughs> I mean, I'll be handling a business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so I started a business, so I, don't, so I won't have to travel so much. Yeah, okay. What is the business? It's an exterior cleaning service. It's the same thing that I used to do before I started doing comedy, and I thought, you know, I, 
I just know how to do this so good, so I started it again. And so it's been going real good. It's been like a year now. Oh, that's good. We've been very busy, very um, just, you know, spraying a bunch of dirty stuff and just getting it clean. And I've got some special juice that I like to use. I like to squirt on stuff. And you're still doing stand-up because I saw that you have some shows coming up or you just did some shows. Yeah, I mean, I still do shows. I, I do shows to yeah. stay sharp. Yeah. And, you know, work out any sort of new ideas and stuff. But I don't really, like, I don't really hit it, like, super hard because I don't have the energy to hit it super hard. I just don't really like working for little to no money. <laughs> so I get the old after a yeah. while. I feel like comedy is, like, there's so much comedy now that, like, I'm really more focused on just building my business up and making money as opposed to because all the people, even the people I know that are supposedly doing really well at comedy, they're still not making, <laughs> they're still not making a lot of money. So it's, it's just, you need to get to a point where you're like, okay, uh, I'm tired of like farting off, you know, I say farting off, like you work really hard at the thing. Yeah. But the reward is just not, it's just not, it's not what it used to be. That's for sure. And, you know, like, it's, I, I don't really like the idea anymore of, um, I, I used to think I wanted to make money off of a subjective art form, but I don't really want to anymore. I mean, I do. I mean, I, you know, I headline all over, but that's not where I want my main source of income to come from. I'd rather make money objectively, you know. I hear that. I just don't like. That's just this is my that's you know my experience, my perspective. It's just I just don't really you know. It's like you know you make a web series and then you build a web series up and it, it becomes a thing and then you're like oh shit I have to do this thing like I got to put out two or three videos a week and be this thing every and sometimes you don't feel like being that thing. Yeah, I mean it's the day and age we're living in. I think that a lot of people have an idea that if you if you're doing one thing in entertainment like if you're an actor if you're a comic if you're you know whatever then if you're doing anything additionally then that's some sort of problem but it's not i mean that's just the day and age that we live in there are musicians who are doing multiple things they have like some kind of day job or something like that that allows them to take care of the bills and then they can not be stressed when they're trying to do the thing that they love and are passionate about. And I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think, I mean, I think my, this is my personal opinion. I think all comics should be business owners and should be financially independent. And because most of the comedians that I know are not waking up every day, writing, working on shit. I've seen people doing the same hour for like 15, yeah. 20 years. You know what I'm saying? They're not, they're not killing it every day. It's, you know, most of the comedians I know, they, you know, they wake up noon-ish, smoke weed, um, <laughs> watch some wrestling or cartoons or play video games or, you know, this is just kind of a stereotype of people that I know in comedy, but, uh, you know, they don't really get going until like their free show that they go do. And it's like, it's a fun, it's a fun way to live, but it's, 
not, you know, you get to a point where you get to a certain age and you're like, um, okay, uh, I don't own shit and I need to do something about that because I don't want to be 50 years old going, okay, I think I'll start taking life seriously now. And it's not even so much that I take life seriously as much as it is just, you know, I just like to be able to afford to have a certain lifestyle. That's it. Yeah, that's fair. It's a good dose of honesty that people need. Yeah, I just don't like working for people either. In in comedy, you're 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 working for people. People think you're not working for people, but but you are working for people. You're working. Um, you have to be, you know, within the confines of what the industry's idea of what you should be, and doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't resonate with some people. But, you know, uh, to each their own, I mean, I don't know. I think there's, there's different ways to make money in the business and be successful. Yeah. I kind of put my foot down a couple of years ago, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do L.A. anymore. And I had, it, I had it made in Los Angeles, but, you know, it was easy breezy for me in, in L.A. But uh, I just left there because I just didn't like I didn't like it. Came back here, and the comedy scene's awesome in Atlanta. Yeah, it is a really great comedy scene. When were you living in L.A.? Uh, 9, 10, 11, and I moved back here in 2012. Okay. And I know you have a great story about Stephen Colbert, about him being a good influence on you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago. That was like... right. Literally when I first started comedy. Uh, well, I mean, I met him before I started doing comedy. How'd you meet him? Uh, actually, through my business. I used to, one of the property management companies that we did a lot of washing for, we used to wash a lot of apartment complexes and stuff for this property management company. And the main guy that I dealt with all the time, he's like the vice president, I guess, of the property management company. He was actually friends with Steven. And at the time, I'd made like some videos, like some alternative sports type videos with like BMX and moto motocross and BMX and stuff in it. And it was just like these really funny, just super silly videos with riding in it, you know? Uh, and I was kind of like, wow, all I wanted to do, I was like, Oh, I just want to make videos and be creative and get paid to do that. And so we were just talking one morning before washing a parking deck, just small talk basically. And then somehow we got on the, conversation of that he knew this guy at the daily show i didn't really know his name but he like described him you know he's like oh he's got the glasses and like, oh yeah that guy yeah 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 he's really funny yeah, that guy's fine so yeah he's like oh I'm, you know blah 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 and i told him i made videos and he's like oh well, you should, maybe you should i should get you in touch with him and stuff and so and, you know maybe he could help you in some way and i'm like oh okay cool but i didn't you know <laughs> i didn't know anything about comedy or the entertainment industry or nothing. I didn't know anything about it. I, I just knew that, like, I I like the idea of, the, you know, being creative and getting paid for it, whether, you know, that be making stuff or writing or whatever. But, I mean, I didn't even know how to write stand-up. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, Stephen called me, actually. Kind of just told me, like, he's like, oh, yeah, you need to you get into like sketch, get into a sketch group or an improv group or, or do stand up, do some open mics and this, that, and the other. So I felt like since he 
when I was away to call me, that the next time he called me to check in, I was like, I have to go do stand up. I have to, you know, get in. I have to do something. I got to have something to tell him that I did. Oh, wow. So he was calling you to make sure that you were doing okay. He was like calling you and checking in and seeing, like, is this guy moving forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would call me, like, after work uh, on his ride to home to his house in oh. Montclair, New, New Jersey, after he would, you know, leave the Daily Show. And, uh, I mean, he wouldn't call me, like, every day or anything. It's just, like, you know, he probably called me, like, three or four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, I did, I finally got on an open mic in Atlanta and told him about it. And then, uh, not too long after that, like, my some crazy shit happened. My mom and my, or my sister died, my, and then my mom died. They died, like, the same week. And then I had talked to him, like, after that, like, not too long after that. And uh, he told me about... Yeah, how he lost his dad, his brother, and you know, plane crash and all this stuff, and talked about that and stuff. And then, uh, and then, I, I was going to New York just to basically just kind of check it out, and and I just thought it'd be a good opportunity to go up there, you know. And I sucked at stand-up comedy; it was terrible. I mean, I was terrible for years at stand-up and I was in no way, you know, ready to like do anything in the business. But I went up there. And uh, it just coincidentally, it had happened to be his, like, last week of The Daily Show. And it was really cool because, like, he um, had me come in and, like, he introduced me to Jon Stewart. And, and at one point, I'm, he basically just introduced me to everybody in the office. And they were, like, everybody was, like, super cool. And, and uh, at one point, I was sitting in this office with uh, two editors. They were editing this piece that he had done, that Stephen had done, on the Dukes of Hazard, I think it was. Uh-huh. So... At one point, I'm, like, sitting on the couch behind these two editors, and John's, like, on one side and Steve's on the other side, and uh, they both kind of were, like, trying to figure out which which cut to use for the, this particular thing, and I was, like, or they asked me, like, what I thought, and I was, like, oh, I like, I like this one better, you know, so, boom, then they used that, and that was kind of cool. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and then I, like, saw him again at his show, and uh, it was cool getting like a shout out from from the uh, show. I don't think it was. I don't think it went on air. That was like the like the pre show thing where he comes out. He's like talking to audience and stuff. He's like, oh, my buddy Jared Harris is here. Like everybody's like, <laughs> so it was just cool that he was like that. Yeah, I think I think that was like his one year anniversary show. And like, and then he like tried to hook me up with his manager, and I met with his manager, and I and I. I know his manager was just probably like, why is Steven wasting my time? Like, this kid's not, he, he's nowhere in comedy. <laughs> like, he has nothing to offer. I can't do shit with this guy. And I just kind of, I just felt like just kind of like a dumb Southerner up there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, all these people are like, they all come from Ivy League schools, and they're all extremely well-read and articulate. And I just like to say, fuck a lot. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not it's not my thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I felt kind of out of place, but you know, he was very nice. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like he was uh, paying it forward. So you you got your start in comedy in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, there was there was nothing here when I started. There was nothing. There's no there's punchline and there were eight comics that got on the punchline open mic every week and I signed up every week for almost six months. 
I signed up every week for almost six months, and it took six months before I actually got they put me they gave me a spot. And then I did a spot, and I went like one one minute over, I think, or maybe I'm, I might have done two minutes over. And uh, and then they never put they never let me get back on stage again until for eight I think it was eight eight more years. Oh wow. I mean, I was already like headlining in other places around the country and stuff. Before they let you back on, they even let me like <laughs> put me on. And then they, they coincidentally enough, they gave me like a MC week. And then the week, or then I don't know if it was the week after, but the next thing they gave me was featuring for Bill Burr. And then, and then Bill basically like helped me tremendously in Los Angeles. He's the one that like made my life super easy in LA. He helped me a lot. How so? I mean, he he got me in at the comedy store, and then he hooked me up with um, just a bunch of people. I don't know, just a bunch of people, man. I mean, he tried to get the Conan Booker to book me, but the Conan Booker didn't. didn't I don't think he ever really vibed my comedy. But yeah, he like introduced me to the Conan Booker, and he's like, "Ah, it's fucking Jared. He's fucking gonna introduce you to this guy. You're gonna be you. You're gonna be having him on the show at some point. So I might as well just go ahead and introduce you right now. Hilarious." And so you know. Uh, he's just like, oh, okay, thank you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they have two bookers at Conan, or am I thinking of a different show? I don't know now, but uh, I, I, I mean, I know after I did Lopez tonight, like a long time ago, but when, when I did that, like they said they'd have me on the show, and uh, I was like, oh, cool. But they were like, yeah, we just gotta prove your set, like make sure, you know, if I can prove my set, okay. So like, I sent a set over. <laughs> And <laughs> they literally, I recorded this set at a Comedy Magic Club, and it just killed, right? Five minutes right. Left, walk out, first line, boom, like all the way through. And then and he told me, like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't think that first joke makes you very likable. And I'm like, what? I just, did you, I didn't say this, but I'm like, did you not just see me just walk out in front of all these people who don't know me and do the first joke, and then it killed? Like, you know, it's just, I got the weirdest note. It was basically a roundabout way of saying, uh, I don't really like your type, kind of comedy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Without without actually saying it. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, all right. This is what it is. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a good perspective to have to say it is what it is. For me, though, as a fan, it's something I wish had worked out because your uniqueness is one of my favorite things about your comedy. I want more people to see that. It's just such a different vibe that no one can see anywhere else. It's, it's a very unique voice. Having a voice is actually one of the things I'm trying to figure out how to do as a stand-up. How someone can find and cultivate their own voice. How did you go about doing that? I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of just trial and error. <laughs> trying to, I mean, you start doing comedy and you're like, oh, i got to make these people laugh. What's going to make these people laugh? And, um, and you know, when I started, it was a lot different too, because th- there was no scene, there was no coddling of like, oh, a bunch of comedian peers who laugh at things that aren't really that funny from the back of the room to give you that false sense of confidence. It, it, it's hard because like, I never really watched comedy when I started. So yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, I never really, um. I mean, I watched comedy in, like, middle school. Like, in middle school, I, I, I liked comedy. Um, that was really the kind of the last time I watched comedy. 
And I kind of just told myself from the get go, I was like, I don't, I just don't, I don't want to watch comedy really unless, you know, I'm at a show and I know I meet somebody personally, then I'll, you know, watch their set and I enjoy it a lot more. I enjoy watching people I know personally, as long as they're not turds. Like if they're good people, then I enjoy watching their, them do comedy. But I just thought like, I'm not going to sit down and watch a comedy special. I just not, <laughs> like I could get two shits. But, you know, it's just not, I'm not into that. I, You know, if I am going to sit and watch something, which is very rare, I just sit and watch anything. But when I do, it's typically going to be like mountain bike videos or BMX videos or motocross videos. Like, you know, maybe shit like that. <laughs> Stuff that, like, doesn't resonate with most comedians. I, I, I'm really a fucking oddball in this business. <laughs> but... I, I think that's why my, you know, it's unique to me because I, I am such a freaking, I am an oddball. And I go through different phases. Like, I got really into, like, trying to cultivate some conspiracy comedy material for a while and uh, off-grid type comedy. And uh, I used to do really silly avant-garde kind of comedy. And I, I did dark comedy and characters. I mean, I've been through so many different phases. But I, I think uh, as a comic here, I think what you should be doing is, you know, being authentically 100% you. And some people are really interesting and some people just aren't interesting. <laughs> I mean, there's so right. many comics now. And a lot of comics just aren't interesting. Yeah. You know, just kind of boring. It's like, oh, okay. And, you know, I'd rather be different and interesting than really anything to be honest with you even more than being funny yeah yeah that's good i like that i imagine that's pretty hard to stick to when someone is trying to figure things out through trial and error they have so many failures there are so many moments on stage where things didn't go well at all so how do they keep plugging and find out who they are as a person on stage so they can cultivate their stage presence it's very it's very easy now because there's a scene you know, um, there's a scene of, of peers who are supportive. I mean, at least in Atlanta. And like I say, they'll laugh at your shit when it's not really that good and or not that funny. How do you, when you have just your buddies in the room are laughing, how do you figure out what's actually good? Is it taking it out elsewhere outside of your safe haven? Well, I mean, after you do comedy for a certain amount of time, like I already, I know I already know if something's going to kill. I know if it, and the way I do it, like, it's like I'll come up with an idea and I'll start writing about it. And as I'm writing it, I just, I make it funny. I know, I know where the, the big laughs are going to be or the medium sized laughs or the small laughs. I know where all that stuff's going to be. So, you know, structurally, I can structure it in a way where it ends with the biggest laugh. Or sometimes I don't even do, you know, I don't, because I'm not very, I don't, I don't do my comedy that way. Like my, sometimes I'll just go off on an aside in, in a character and just do this, you know, do a thing for a while. And it, it maybe it doesn't have built into a crescendo, but it's just, it's just, it's just this really silly thing. I mean, I have people coming up to me after shows telling me, you know, repeating things from the show, which aren't jokes at all. Right. When I write comedy or when I do comedy, that's what I'm most excited about is when people are, like, telling me about, oh, my God, that that line about the blah, 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 which isn't even a joke. Yeah. But, you know, it's something I thought was really funny 
like never been fingered four wheeler. It's like that's not really a joke. It's just in a bit. <laughs> but like people, you know, it's just there's so many random weird things that people remember. I'd rather just have people remember me uh, more than anything. Oh yeah. I'm not a big character, you know, I'm not whatever those archetypes are. Oh, yeah, certainly. You're not one of those archetype kind of comics. I mean, you are bringing such a wide variety to your show, such a uniqueness, all these different characters. You did a, a great show here that was with you and Ryan Singer, and Lace was on the show as well. And it's still one of my favorite shows that have happened here in, in Greenville. Oh, yeah. And the comics who were there still talk about that show. It was a really great show. You were doing some things on stage that I feel are things you really have to commit to be able to do because it's so unique and different than what people expect. It's almost like going out on a limb. And that's something... I'm trying to figure out how to do like I have just certain bits that I realize I need to really dig in and commit to, but it could be kind of hard. How do you get into the mindset to do that? Because I have a hard time figuring out how to how to really commit with a, a particularly silly bit. I don't know. That's like more of an internal thing, you know, like it's, I've reached all these new different levels of not caring in this business. And uh, for the longest time, you said, you tell yourself like, oh, I'm going to act, you know, you act like you don't care, but you really do care. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to a point to where you genuinely just don't, you don't care. Now, I'm, when I say that, I'm speaking in industry terms. Um because I know a lot of comics worry about doing like, what am I going to do? I've got a showcase for a blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, after a while, you're like, there's so many showcases. There's so many comics. What, there's a festival every week, you know, in, you know, <laughs> in, in your hometown, there's probably like a festival. Every, there's, there's, there's like traveling festivals now. Like now these promoters are, or these festival people have figured out a way to like make money all throughout the year with their festivals. It's just like, it's ridiculous. And so it's like everything that you think is on the line, there's nothing on the line ever, really, ever. Because comedy is just going to keep going. It's not going to stop. Right, you'll have another opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, in industry terms, I, I don't care at all anymore. I just don't. I really don't care. But um, and it took me a long time to get to that point. And... Uh, but as far as like being on stage as a professional, yes, I care. I want the audience to have a good time and you have to care because you have to be a professional. You have to be a, you know, a headliner and you have to go, I am getting paid. And when I do go do shows now, I get paid pretty good money. So it's not like, you know, I'm not wasting my time or their time. So I just, there's a level of responsibility that that goes with that. And um, so you just want to be the best that you can possibly be. And even if it's like old bits that you're like, don't necessarily not excited about doing, you can just do them anyway. Like I would just did a show in St. Simon's Island and got paid really, you know, really well. And it's like, I'm not, there's no, there's no dicking around with the show. You just, you go perform and just be, do the very best stuff that you possibly can do. Did I get to do like any of the newer stuff that I've been working on? No, because I'm not going to work on stuff in front of them. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. And used used to, uh, and that was what was good about that the tour that me and Ryan did. Is, you know, it's mostly comics at the shows, so I had the freedom of just being ridiculous. <laughs> so there's a time and a place for all that stuff. In L.A., I could be absolutely ridiculous. And I'd have comics come up to me after shows and be like, oh, my God, that thing that you did, blah, blah, blah. But I know from experience that I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go do that thing, you know, in, I don't know, in a comedy club with couples <laughs> just out for a nice night because, you know, they they have kids and they haven't really been anywhere nice in like five years. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. There's a time and a place for all that stuff, but I think yeah, the support uh, from that you get from other comics to be creative now is it's the easiest time ever to to really cultivate your own thing and be be your own thing because there's not really much risk to it. Hmm. That's the only thing that sucks about comedy being so so popular now or, or so trendy is there's really no it's just not dangerous. It's like it's like uh, you know, jump in your BMX bike, but no one ever breaks any bones. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's no <laughs> yeah. element of, like, well, you, well, you can do anything at that point. Mm-hmm. No millennial is going to start booing you and threaten to kick your ass. They, that's not going to happen. They're not going to throw shit at you. <laughs> They're not going to, well, I mean, if you get some really regressive liberal who, you know, is all about taking your freedom of speech away, then, yeah, maybe. But for the most part, they're just going to be quiet and polite and snicker and you know what I mean like you, there's no real there's no real consequences just when they don't laugh oh yeah yeah when they don't laugh that's the worst that can happen yeah how do you come up with character work because you've done some characters for some uh, web series stuff like the action figure work uh, I mean I, that was just uh, me doing a bit that I uh, I did about my dad um, which is mm. like an old bit. Yeah, uh, that was for the action figure therapy thing, which was a giant, turned out to be a giant uh, thing that I absolutely am not proud of. But oh. because, like, I didn't have I didn't have control over it, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my thing. Then I did another web series, and then I just did another web series. I've done three web series. But I get really bored with those things. But, yeah, I mean, all, all the character stuff, most of the character stuff is, like, Southern-based. I see. I have this other character I, I I was doing in Atlanta for a while called the Pro Liner. <laughs> it's just like this really deadpan. <laughs> I love doing that character, and and like a lot of the comics and stuff liked that character a lot. They were like, "Oh, that's one of my favorite things you ever do." But it's one of the things where it was such a uh, polarizing thing to the audience that I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, I would be so quiet, and I would create these long bouts of awkward silence. And I had total control of the room. And I had strategic things written for the response from the audience. Because they would, so a certain number of people in the audience would think, oh, my God, this guy, this guy's losing control. He, he's not, he doesn't know what to do. He's not funny. And then the other people were like, oh, my God, this guy's totally fucking with this audience. And then I would have these prepared comebacks and then I would instigate and basically start kind of start shit with people. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing, it was just me talking about how good I am at comedy and how, and that's why I'm a pro liner. 
because I've already headlined. I headline for years, and I'm a, I'm above head. I'm the only pro liner. Like I have all this material written for for this character, and uh, God, I haven't done that in so long. But that was like super fun. And then the cool thing about that character was I could do I could literally do that character and then do all of my material in that character, and it still would do good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It was just a completely different delivery mechanism. Like, the, the way I did this material was just a totally different way of delivering the material. I missed doing that. That was that was fun. But most everything's like, Southern-based. Because, I mean, I'm from the South, you know? Right. That's a write-what-you-know sort of idea. Yeah, and I was always, like, uh, super impressed. Or, not impressed, but, like, just mesmerized by uh, motivational speakers in the 90s and people who did, like, infomercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, Don LaPree was one. Mm-hmm. I was fascinated by Don LaPree. I love Don LaPree. He's so freaking funny to me. I think he ended up going to jail or something. But uh, he's had those infomercials that would come on, and uh, he'd be like, I'm going to show you how to make thousands and thousands of dollars by placing tiny, tiny ads in newspapers all over the country. And <laughs> it was the best ever, man. No, I remember that guy. He he did go to jail. That guy, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, as soon as his infomercial came on, you're like, oh, this guy, this guy's definitely going to jail. Oh god, I was pretty mesmerized in seeing that guy too. Just his body language was so interesting. The way he would just like hunch over, like so excited. I'm gonna show you how to make thousands and thousands of dollars by just placing tiny, tiny ads newspaper ads all over the country from your apartment from my one bedroom apartment or whatever it was <laughs> so I had this other character that I started writing stuff for um, which was him which I thought about doing a web series for but as with anything like you know you start doing a web series and then yeah you can make it's not hard to make a web series big especially if you just if you do if you do trigger topics opinionated trigger topics oh my god you pick a team be like I'm on this team then everybody will be like, oh, my God, i got to share this. This is this guy hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Not hard to do that. But the only thing that sucks about it is once you start doing that, once you open up that Pandora's box, that's your identity at that point. You're that person. Right. Right. And you got to feed that machine. Yeah. Unless somehow you can do it in a way that, uh, oh, this is satirical. But the satirical stuff doesn't have as much power as the opinionated, like, trigger topic. What would you say to someone who's uh, starting out in comedy and they want to do work with the type of integrity that you've done? What is your advice for them to be able to do that? Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Just have fun. Have fun with comedy. Comedy has to be fun. For so long, it wasn't fun for me because I was like, oh, my God, I need to do this thing or I got to do this thing or I need to get on TV more. I need to do I need to get a television show. like all these different things. And then as I just kind of stepped back, especially when I moved back to Atlanta, I stepped back and I was like, I'm not chasing comedy industry. Or when I say comedy, I'm talking about the industry. I'm not chasing comedy like a girl in seventh grade. Okay. I'm not going to do that anymore because my life is more valuable than that. And uh, I have too many other interests. So as soon as I just sat back and I just started doing comedy 100% purely for myself and my own enjoyment. (laughs) It's great. Like now, like the opportunities I have in Atlanta right now, as we speak, 
maybe one of the biggest opportunities I've had in this business so far. And I've had opportunities where I've left the meeting going, oh, shit, I'm, I'm, I need to buy the helicopter right now. Holy shit, you know, because <laughs> L.A.'s full of shit, and they will fill your head full of shit, and you'll think you're the shit, and you'll <laughs> – everyone around you will think you're the shit, you know, that has that kind of power to do that. And it really changes, it really changes people and turns them into, um, not that great of people or, or basically pulls, you know, their true colors out. Hmm. When I moved back here, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wrap myself up into all that. I'm just going to do comedy to have fun and I'm going to do comedy on my terms. And I don't care if I get back into this club or that club or, if I work 40 weeks a year, if I work, you know, I don't want to be on the road that much. I, now, I hate getting out. I hate getting on a plane or in a car, period. I hate it. Now, when, I, when I'm on stage, I'm having fun. But life's too freaking short, man. It's like you have to, like, just have fun. And I think if you're having fun, as big as comedy is now, and I say big in, in meaning, like, <laughs> There's not as many people. There's not people aren't making as much money at comedy now. It, it, it seems like it's more recreational now than anything. Mm-hmm. People, I, I mean, I think it's just important just to be respected as a comic, and it's fun. And the main thing is, it's fun. It has to be fun. If it's not fun, then why? I mean, why would you be doing it? If it's not fun and you're doing it, then it can only literally be purely ego. That's it. It's the only thing that can be. Oh, that's good advice. Well, we're at the end here. What is uh, something that we could create together? Is it a is a character? Should we try to come up with a character, or should we do a joke? What do you think? We should do a Don LaPree character. Tiny, tiny one-bedroom oh, apartment. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of pressure to create something funny, because I've been hungry since way before we started talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get right to it then. Uh, so how would you figure out how to approach that guy? You just start with the voice and then see where it takes you? Yeah, well, the cool thing about Don LaPree is, especially with, like, millennials, um, I don't even know if a lot of Gen X people know, know Don LaPree. So, you know, I mean, everything in comedy has, like, pretty much been done. So, But it would seem so fresh and new to other people, you know? Mm, okay. That's what I really I like about him. Um, but I mean, obviously, like in the comedy world, well, what is he? What is he trying to sell you? It obviously has to be ridiculous. The more you know, the more ridiculous, the better. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, what are some things that are ridiculous? What's something that a white, a clean cut, white collar criminal looking white dude would be trying to sell you? Sell other people like him, or sell uh, people like just the average person? I think he should sell to. I think he should be trying to sell black people on his new black dating site. Of course, that guy would definitely. <laughs> just imagine if if he was the face for like uh, like what's a popular black dating site? Um, uh, there was blackpeoplemeet.com. dot com. Blackpeoplemeet dot com. Yeah, I just just how ironic would it be that he's like the front man for that? Like he's he's trying to get people to, but he's like, but he's he's clearly a white collar black or white collar white dude, but he's trying to throw like slang in there or like try to be hip and be you know. Kind of like Hillary does, wherever, whatever part of the country she's in when she's talking to people. Uh-huh. You know, on their level, you know. <laughs> I have for you the most on fleek website to find a date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, 
Yeah, <laughs> tired of hanging out with your homegirls, or I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm so out of the loop with like, uh, I I don't know what young people even say. I don't know. Fleek is a pretty old one. On Fleek's a pretty old one now. It's like a year or so old. I need to watch like an episode of Wild and Out or something on MTV. Oh, you know what? I bet he would. I bet he's he's he looks like the kind of guy that would think Drake's dancing in Hotline Bling was good. I don't even know what that means. I've heard of the name Drake. <laughs> I've heard the name Drake many times. You're not that much older than me that you shouldn't know this. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also a weirdo. <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough. Well, let me honor your time and get you out of here. There it is. That's uh, our thing today. Uh, Don LaPree selling Hotline Bling. That was a terrible, that was a terrible idea for, for yeah. That was an awful idea. <laughs> no one will use it. It'll be fine. <laughs> now that I have some food in me, probably 20 minutes from now, I'll probably be a little more level-headed. <laughs> yeah, isn't that how it always is? Well, thanks for doing the podcast, man. Yeah, dog. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Good luck with the uh, with the podcast, dude. Thanks, I appreciate it. You're good. You're a good man. I'll, thanks. I really enjoy your existence, and so does Lace. She also enjoys your existence. Ah, well, thanks. I enjoy you both a great deal. I hope to see you soon. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you up there in old beautiful South Carolina. So candid, right? He was great. I, I like Frank talk like that because you know where a person is coming from when they're candid. I like it. It's, it just makes it easier to figure out what someone is saying and where they're coming from. I don't want to have to do all this mental work to play people's games when I talk to them. You never have to get caught up in mind games with people like Jared. They'll tell you what they think straight up. It's just so much easier to process what they are saying because you don't get distracted with reading between any lines. It was a refreshing talk. I'm glad I got to do it. Jared can be found on Facebook. Just search at jaredharris.com. He'll post updates there on where you can see him perform. He'll be performing in Charlotte, North Carolina tomorrow night, August 3rd at the Comedy Zone. If you're around Charlotte, you should go see him. You can also go to conspiracycomedy.com and get his album present and talkative. Don't forget, you can support the podcast at thereitispod.com and also follow the podcast on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hop on iTunes and leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. There it is, another episode of There It Is. In next week's episode, I talk to another Atlanta stand-up, Mia Jackson. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.